Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to another edition of the Action Network podcast, Week 16 NFL Betting Edition. I am Chris Raybon of the Action Network. We'll be joined shortly by Stucky to break down all of the betting action for this week. We will start this week by jumping right into our Sunday six pack, which is where we each draft our top three spread bets of the week. That will include Saturday games, but there is no Thursday night game. However, there is a Monday night football game this week that we will cover at the end of the show because we want to leave Stuck and Colin Wilson uh, to just focus on college for the bowl games on the podcasts uh, later in the week and next week. So, that's how we're going to do it. We'll also do our favorite total, which also includes a Saturday game. Spoiler alert. And we will do our money line underdog parlay. We'll do our top teaser pick of the week. And if you're still involved in Survivor, you're still alive in Survivor, good good stuff. Uh, we'll quickly run through uh, the options for this week. Before we get started, just want to remind you guys, download the free Action Network app to get live scores, in-game win probabilities, and track every bet that you make, as well as follow experts like Stucky and myself. All right, let's get right into it. The Sunday Six Pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday Six Pack. Stuck, what up? You're up two. You're up two in our little game, separating again. But uh, it wasn't the greatest week for me, although my two-point pick hit, which saved me the, the Falcons' uh, prime letdown spot, of course, for San Fran. Uh, how was your How do you not run the ball? Kyle Shanahan. I, I'm still <laughs> yelling about that. Flat or not, you run the ball there. I mean, to, to kick it away with your five starters out on defense when your identity is running it, uh, Kyle Shanahan, God. I mean, he could have lost coach of the year there. He could have lost a bye. He could have lost home field. All, all on that one decision. It's tough. I don't know if I would even consider him the favorite. Do you know if he's the favorite for Coach of the Year by any chance? No, I, I mean, I, it's, it could be. There's a lot of other great candidates. Tomlin Harbaugh. sticks out. Tomlin, yeah, Harbaugh. Tomlin. I mean, there's just McDermott and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. saying, like, he was in the running, and now I don't think he's got a shot. Um, you know, if they went, like, 14-2 and two and had the best record in the NFL. But, I mean, it could cost him everything. I mean, because you, you go from a 1-5 to seed in, in the NFC, it's – that's a huge drop in how deep the conference is. But uh, anyway, overall, it was I had a lose. I had a rare losing weekend this this year in the NFL. I didn't like the card going in. Uh, the Cowboys did come through for me. By the way, the week week sixteen, which we're heading into, is one of the best underdog weeks in the NFL. Yes. Um, and if you look back since two thousand three, teams that are under five hundred as an underdog are eighty. 969 and 5 against a spread that's 56.3%. It's about an over a 9% ROI. And what happens now, and next week I'll get into this a lot, the teams that have to win, you win or you're done playing a team that is dead and out of the playoffs are horrible against the spread because obviously this is, you know, the most public market in the world. Who wants to bet, you know, the team, the Jaguars next week against a team that has to win to get in. So you're getting a lot of value. The other team can play loose. 
we're going to get into a lot of that for week 17. But a lot of times in week 16, you have some dogs with value because of the perception that the team is dead. But these are still guys playing for their job. It's still the NFL. So the, just keep in mind that it is a good dog weekend. And, and this, is, this extends to week 15 as well. But 15 and 16, the, real, the best spot is as a road underdog, and it's in a, a one-possession spread that's a field goal or more. So three to eight points has been really that sweet spot. 97, 61, and four, 61%. Uh, when, when a team is a home underdog, that usually the mark of a really bad team. Uh, those teams have not covered uh, nearly as much. It's actually profitable to bet the favorite in those spots. But especially when you have teams on the road, the public, I think, kind of looks and says, oh, this team's on the road. The, the spread really kind of inflates. So as far as the six-pack goes, first pick, interestingly enough, I think I'm going – I am going against the under. I'm going against a lot of rules. Uh, did last week and it didn't pay off, of course. With the your brownies. I oh, I mean, I've been waiting to talk to you about it. Your two off-brand picks: your oh, Broncos yeah. and then Browns, Cardinals. <laughs> hey, um, man, you got to keep an open mind. You got. Oh, keep I get it. It was just. I, I was watching. I was like, Chris is probably <laughs> oh, throwing things. Yeah, at the I, I was not. I was not thrilled. Not thrilled at all. But this week, I'm going with a uh, kind of an off-brand pick, but. I, uh, I, I feel really confident in it just because of what I've seen out of this team. And that's the Baltimore Ravens. They're minus 10. They're on the road in Cleveland, actually. And I, I think that Baltimore is a team that is going to – so they can clinch – they need a Patriots uh, to lose, I believe. And then they need to – they can clinch a, the number one seed, the Patriots lose, and then they take care of business. Yeah, so long story short, they will still be motivated for at least uh, one more week. And – uh, this is a Ravens team that if you look back since they acquired Marcus Peters, your boy, they've, uh, they've won by 21 over the Jets. Their two close games, a three-point win over San Francisco, top, one of the league's top defenses, uh, and a seven-point win over the uh, Bills, another one of the league's top defenses. Besides that, 21 margin of victory against the New York Jets, a 39-point win over the Rams, a 34-point win over the Texans, a 33 six-point win over the Bengals, a 17-point win over the Patriots, a 14-point win over the Seahawks. Uh, so getting some really impressive uh, margins of victory for Baltimore here. I think this is another spot where uh, they are superior. We'll see what happens with, with, with Vernon, but uh, that would aid Baltimore in, in being able to have success even more. And then you look at John Harbaugh on the road in, in the division in his career uh, is actually 19-12-4, and 4, 61% against the spread. Uh, and, and as far as these, these larger lines, uh, he hasn't actually lost one higher than uh, a touchdown uh, against the spread. So uh, not many, not a large sample, only a few games. But uh, I, I, this is a spot where you don't necessarily expect a letdown uh, from a hardball coach team the way you do with certain teams. Uh, like, for example, you know, the Niners last week, or I know we'll talk about Tomlin uh, in a bit as well. So uh, like the Ravens in this spot, just think they're much better. They've been blowing better defenses than Cleveland out. Uh, so I, I actually expect this number to go over that, uh, probably move off the key number of, of 10 or, uh, and eventually because over 80% of the money and bets is coming in on the Ravens in this spot. So uh, you might see it close at 10 and a half or whatever or something like that. I actually disagree with you here, and <laughs> I'm going to be there in a Ned Reed jersey uh, underneath a, a sweatshirt. I promise my friend I do every year. I've gone to Cleveland, Baltimore, uh, in Cleveland for the last eight years, and uh, luckily I'll be in a box um, watching other games as well. And the Ravens have had a ton, ton of success in Cleveland. I've only seen one loss, I think. Um, in all the years that I've gone there. But look, this is you're buying the Ravens at, at, at the peak. 
I mean, you are. Yeah. I mean, I make this line seven and a half, eight. Um, but I mean, to be fair, I can't adjust the Ravens high enough. Every week, they just they're like a num- they're like a number one team in college football that's like dominant, and they're just blowing teams out. You don't norm- normally see this in the NFL. You know, you've seen some Patriots teams in the past do it, but they're just you know. They- but what I've gone over in the past, number one, this is a double digit division underdog and at home and double digit dogs in division are over since 2003 they're 124 96 and 6 about 56 and a half percent against the spread you know and then there's the familiarity factor I mean Cleveland now there are some things working in Ravens factor let me just throw that out first John Har- huge coaching advantage Harbaugh's the best most profitable active coach off a of buy now this isn't off of a buy but they have extra prep playing on last Thursday versus Kitchens. They're coming back off the road. The Ravens' special teams was a mess. They have revenge because the Browns blew them out in Baltimore. So I'm sure they'll be focused. You already mentioned they do need to win regardless of what happens on Saturday. But I think Cleveland will really benefit from seeing them the first time. Um, this is, besides the Bengals, this is the first team the Ravens will face that has seen them once before already this season. I think they did Chubb, beat the Bengals by 33 the second time, though. Yeah, I mean, but they're the Bengals. By, after beating them by six the first, so um, it got better. <laughs> the the uh, so, but I just think this line is a little inflated. I'm hoping I can get ten and a half. You got to imagine you're going to get a stinker from the Ravens eventually once. Now um, I'm, I'm imagining I'm going to get a stinker from Freddie Kitchens because that's what's been happening. Look, there's nothing <laughs> I could say to you X's and O's wise. I mean, Chubb could have a big day if they don't get behind early and that familiarity factor they've seen Lamar helps them early on but my argument against you is mainly the number that's it I mean everything you're saying I can't yeah I can't no and, and and to be fair like you know that's generally my brand is taking like and you've done it you do it most most of the year too just taking these ugly double digit underdogs but especially because when I look at Cleveland's offense and I say okay how would you stop Baltimore from blowing you out yeah you're gonna have to score because Baltimore home road wherever they're gonna put up points right so you have to score now Chubb sure he he'll be fine but Cleveland's main strength when throwing the ball, they have two uh, top-end wide receivers in Jarvis Landry and Odo Beckham. And Baltimore, that's what Baltimore's been taking away. You know, that's, that's part of the reason I think they blew out the Rams. You know, the Rams couldn't get anything going uh, with any of their wide receivers and obviously the pressure factor. But I, I just don't think Mayfield either, – either he'll make mistakes and, and it won't be good or uh, they just won't move the football uh, in the air. So I, I like the matchup. I, I do understand the number, but – Again, I, I try to keep it open mind and go away from the, you know, I'm never going to bet like a straight up uh, trend or, or number um, if I don't like the matchup. Yeah, yeah. But also keep a, keep your eye on Kareem Hunt, by the way. He didn't play in the first matchup and the Ravens like to blitz a lot for checkdowns, him out of the backfield. The Browns are going to need him if they're going to stay in this. Oh, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, so for my first pick, I am going with the New York football Jets. I was thinking about going with the Giants this week, but but I do like the Jets. And look, this is a classic Tomlin fade spot, but that's not the reason that I'm betting it. Um, because, you know, the classic Tomlin fade spot is when he's a favorite. Um, and by the way, just to go back to the Browns, the Browns have treated me well. I'm going to be in Cleveland. I am 8-0 in Browns games in the last two months. So don't let me down if I end up playing Cleveland, but I'm waiting for 10 and a half. And by the way, for this contest, if I need to, I can run down there and make a tackle if need be. <laughs> so... Yeah, back to the Jets. Like the classic Tom on fade spot, which has been so successful. I mean, he's, you know, when he goes on the road and plays a team that's under 500 and he's a favorite. I mean, he's, you're talking 35, 36%. And on the flip side, when he's a home dog against a team that's over 500, he's like 65%. It's like just a complete inverse relationship. And it's held true all this season as well. But 
What that is predicated on is Tomlin being more of a motivator and a rah-rah coach and us against the world. And, you know, I say this all the time with him. He gets his team ready to run through a wall. He doesn't have to worry about this week because they're playing for a playoff spot. This isn't like week six going to the Cardinals or going to the Raiders. So I don't think motivation actually is going to be an issue here. Maybe it is. I've seen Tomlin's teams come out flatter and in bigger spots, but that's not the main cap here. The Jets run defense, which was exposed a little bit. They have an extra prep here too. They played on Thursday night, but they were missing Quinn and Williams. They're missing Jamal Adams, who's just so huge to their defense. And it looks like both will be back. Now the fear is that the Jets aren't going to play Adams because they want to use him as a trade piece or Yeah, he might be done to be honest. So they might shut him down, but he was limited in practice today. Mm -hmm. So was Williams. So I'm going on the fact that he's going to suit up. We'll see. Um, What is the, the fantasy um, I always see fantasy people. The Steelers are the number one defense, like pretty much. That's that's your fantasy implications for this game. <laughs> no, 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 that too. But I'm saying the fantasy <laughs> people always say revenge game. I think so. Oh, Le'Veon, Le'Veon. So I don't, I don't even know what the revenge game no. means. But there is Lev Bell this this year at times looks like he's just careless out there, um, and I, I don't know what it is, but I do know that he won't be careless this week against the Steelers. Now, you could argue the Steelers will be fired up to play against him as well. But mainly, I think that if Quinning comes back, and the Jets' run defense I still think is solid, um, they can shut down the Steelers, and you know it's going to be up to Duck Hodges on the road with his receivers, and I just don't trust him um, against the Jets. So on the other side of the ball, you're going to need Lev Bell. You're going to need Crowder, who I think can have some success in the slot, because the Jets' offensive line is going to get worked worked by the Steelers defensive line I think Darnold probably can take a lot from that Ravens game against the Blitz he was at, he had some success um, but basically this comes down to I make this a pick um, and it's Duck Hodd is on the road all the pressures on the Steelers the Jets can come out here and play loose this is one of your classic week 16 home dogs that isn't going anywhere that's playing a third string quarterback and trying to ruin their season they're playing spoiler you can throw in the Lev Bell narrative. You can throw in the Tomlin narrative. But I just think this number's inflated. So, give me the Jets. I probably wouldn't touch it from that side. But there is some kind of anti-Tomlin fade spots going on as well. Uh, so, he's 42-28 against the spread in his career coming off a loss, 4-1 and one this season. Uh, they are coming off that, that loss against Buffalo. And it turns out that his, his fade spots in, in terms of when he's a favorite – in in on the road they're all above uh three three points so three and a half or more when it when you go down to three a field goal or less it's about 500 so it's more of like a 50 50 uh toss up and also i have a trend in in bet labs that just says bet on gase to keep losing and essentially (laughs) adam gase (laughs) adam gase uh, in his career with the jets and dolphins 11 18 and one just 38 percent against the spread, uh, coming off a straight-up loss uh, in 3-5 and five this year. So it uh, kind of cancels out for me. I ended up settling on, a, a, on the under in this game, which I'll talk about when we get to, to our totals. All right, for my second pick, I'm going with the Houston Texans, uh, minus 3 against, against Tampa Bay. I actually got this line when it first came out uh, at minus 1, wrote it up on Action Network. This is not a spot where I usually take the Texans. Generally don't have that much success as favorites because Bill O'Brien – and that team just tends to play down to the competition, but Tampa Bay continuing to lose offensive pieces 
And I think that in this spot, you have a, a, a Texans team that can put a lot of pressure on, on a Tampa Bay defense. It's been better against the Pats, 15th in DVOA, but they struggle. Their perimeter corners have been better. Jamal Dean, Carlton Davis, uh, both top 34, top 35 in pro football focus coverage grades. Sean Murphy bunting in the slot outside the top 60. They also rank 30th in uh, – in deep pass efficiency schedule adjusted from football outsiders. So Houston, all three of their receivers play in the slot at least 30%. Uh, now that they have Will Fuller back, they should be able to, to, to kind of win a, if, it, if this game goes to a shootout type script, they should be able to, to win in that environment. At the same time, you have Jameis Winston, Chris Godwin, I think hurts even more than Mike Evans because for as good as Evans numbers were, Winston was completing only 56% to him and uh, he, his interception rate was uh, above his normal average with, with Evans. He threw, I think it was seven picks when targeting Evans. So a lot more efficient to Godwin, 72% interception rate lower. So uh, I think that's a big loss, uh, you know, especially with both of them now combined. Eventually, I think it's going to catch up with them having to throw uh, to Brashad Paraben and, and all these guys. I do like O.J. Howard, but, you know, all these guys, uh, I just think Houston has the advantage on offense, short spread. I think Houston has enough here, uh, but did get it at one. Like it at three is fine, but I wouldn't go above three. I, you never know what's going to happen with, with the Texans under Bill O'Brien. So a field goal is my limit. Yeah, I mean, this line is sort of odd. If you think about it, the Bucks without Godwin and Evans, it opened at one. If they win this game, I believe – they win the division. And the Texans, while well, obviously they're motivated regardless, um, you know, and then if the Chiefs drop one, they can improve their seating, blah, blah, blah. But what I keep coming down to is, I mean, Jameis Winston is red hot. And last week against the Lions, it didn't matter who was in there at receiver. You know, but this week, who's going to be in there? He's going to be throwing to his backs, his tight ends. I mean, that spells trouble if you're Jameis. But then what I keep coming back to here, from an X's and O's perspective, this, the play is Houston. The motivation, the matchups, the better offense – the more talented team with Godwin and Evans out. And even Scotty Miller. We've got to give our shout-out to yeah. Scotty Miller. I knew he was going to yeah. score a touchdown when we, when we trashed him last week. You know, but what I keep coming back to is it's just what you said before. Is this a classic Bill O'Brien slop fest where they come out and they're underprepared? And if you come out underprepared and, you know, just – sloppy, take it for granted. You're going to lose in the NFL. It doesn't matter who you play. And like, if you, you go back to some of these games that Houston has had this year, a couple weeks ago, what were they down? 30 did nothing to Drew Locke at home about the half or something. So they have these games where, and it's on the coaching staff. I feel like it's one of the lowest rated coaching staffs in the NFL, in my opinion, where they just aren't prepared at all. And they just come out and everything is flat and it doesn't look like they game plan. So that's the only concern here. You would hope that that's not the case playing for the division week 16 in Tampa. And Jameis may give them the, the game anyway, trying to force with, you know, no weapons, but he is red hot. Uh, the bucks are red hot, but yeah, I, I can't, I can't argue with you there for my second play. I am going with a team that I haven't touched uh, with a 30-foot pole in a month and a half, and that's the Jacksonville Jaguars catching seven uh, at Atlanta. Now, this is pretty much, you know, Jacksonville showed some life at the end of the fourth quarter. So I think they can get some pressure on Ryan, but this is nothing to do with Jacksonville. This is a pure fade of Atlanta. What did everyone say last week before the game and after the game? Atlanta won their Super Bowl. 
Well, congrats, Atlanta. You blew twenty-eight-three lead for a real Super Bowl, and you got a, a meaningless Week Fifteen win. Bam! But Atlanta won their Super Bowl. So what? What's what's that mean for this week? They won their Super Bowl last week, and they're not going anywhere. They come home to play a, a, a Jacksonville team, a dead Jacksonville team, in their dead stadium where they try to pump in noise for. I mean, talk about a flat spot. Uh, this is a Week Sixteen game after a Super Bowl. When does that ever happen? This is the first time in NFL history a team is playing a game the week after winning its Super Bowl. So. You know, I expect them to be completely flat and under and un, underprepared, uh, which that always happens under Dan Quinn. Now, if you look last week, the Falcons were ready. Why? Well, it was their Super Bowl. Number two, the familiarity. The familiarity was extreme. You have Kyle Shanahan, used to be in Atlanta. You have Robert Sala, who came from the Pete Carroll coaching tree, their defensive coordinator. I know he's mixing in a lot more cover for, and he has his own unique scheme now and, and has modified the Carroll defense. But that Dan Quinn also came from Seattle ex-defensive coordinator. So that whole Atlanta staff was very familiar with what the 49ers want to do. Why are they so bad against the AFC? Well, let me first give you the numbers. Quinn is, and Quinn, by the way, is 17 and 31 against the spread as a favorite. Uh, mm-hmm. It's 35%. Only Mike Shanahan is worse among 120 active and former coaches since 2003. But let's look at what Quinn does against the AFC. He's 4 and 16 against the spread uh, against the AFC, including O for his last 14. He's 0-14 oh in his last 14 games against the AFC against the spread. How about as a favorite against the AFC? 1-11. 3-8 straight up as a favorite against the AFC. So why? Well, his teams usually are not prepared. You know, and he even said this in, the, in one of his uh, impressors this week. Yeah, it takes extra preparation to prepare for these teams that you're not familiar with. Well, after winning your Super Bowl, yeah, I don't know if guys are going to be putting in as much time. And it's just this is a spot where Atlanta just – continuously shows that they're going to come out flat underprepared. So uh, I'm selling high on Atlanta after last week. Uh, I'm sure they'll find a way to get a win late. I think they lead the NFL in fourth quarter points and they're, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll get a, a probably a score late to win this game, but I think Jacksonville hangs around and uh, stays within this number in a spot that Dan Quinn has shown over and over again that he just does not cover. Yeah. Atlanta should not be a seven point favorite against like another pretty much below average team, but not, you know, not anything like Dolphins bad. Atlanta should not be a seven point favorite Two two pretty, I'd say at this point, bad coaching staffs, or at least coaching staffs that had their teams kind of fall short of expectations on numerous occasions, come out flat on numerous occasions throughout this, the season. So uh, now you're getting the, the points with the Jags. So I think that is the correct side of this one. Definitely. Uh, for my next pick, I am going with – I was going to go with the Panthers, but I think I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals here. Raybon's betting on Kyler Murray. You couldn't resist after last uh, But week. this is – yeah, and this is nothing – this is a, a play not as much to do in the Cardinals, not even on that magic sweet spot, 9 to 10-point spreads, which, by the way, since 2015, the underdog has covered at an 82% clip because, as mentioned, I did take the – the Ravens on the other side of that, but Arizona, if, if they're not getting pressured, I think Kyle Murray can, they can move the ball. Seattle is 30th in pressure rate. And on top of that, their defense is extremely uh, wounded right now. Bobby Wagner looks like he'll be fine, but you have Clowney potentially out. You have uh, Ansa potentially out. Quandre Diggs left the last game. Griffin uh, goes Griffin. on and on. Oh yeah. Griffin. So, I mean, everywhere you look on that Seattle defense that already, uh, was kind of we struggled to get pressure, and they would just play that zone scheme, drop back, kind of protect against the big play. Against Arizona, I think Arizona can keep it close. I think we've seen that with them at, at various times through the year. Kind of talked about that even last week, why 
didn't necessarily like them in, in the spot last week because it was too close, in my opinion, the spread. But now we're back to Arizona getting uh, over a touchdown. And uh, they have been – they're up to 8-5-1 and one against the spread this year. And pretty much all of those covers are in uh, games where they're getting more than a field goal. So like this spot here, Seattle just 6-11-1 and one, uh, at home. Uh, when a favorite since the start of seven of 2017, uh, that whole 12th man narrative, I think, starts to weigh on public opinion a bit. And I think uh, people tend to kind of overrate the Seahawks. They've also been very lucky, as you pointed out, have won a lot of these games, have, have had a lot of one possession games, period, first of all, which I also think bodes well. So uh, just, just like Arizona to be able to uh, move the ball a little better than usual in this spot. Yeah, I actually completely agree with you here, even though I'm not allowed to bet Cliff Kingsbury. But I might take away my self-imposed ban because I'm betting against the Seahawks, not on the Cardinals here. The Seahawks have won one game all year by double digits. And that was against the Cardinals. (laughs) But if you go back and look at that game, the Cardinals went all the way down the field to start the game. They missed a field goal. Um, And then the Seahawks got a field goal. And then there was like a weird play where Clowney had a pick six um, after a review. You know, there was just Seahawks turnover stuff. But if you look at the final, like, that that was huge um, for the entire game. But if you look at the, you know, the final box score, the yardage was 340 to 321. Yards were played 5.8 to 5.4. It wasn't as big of a route as the box score showed. And this is just a terrible spot for Seattle team. It doesn't really blow anybody out. You mentioned the injuries on the defense. But, look, Seattle, naturally, they blew this Arizona team out. They're coming back from the East Coast after a win uh, over the Panthers. And next week is basically for the division, for a potential one seed. They, they host the 49ers. So they might may rest somebody that's on the, on, the, on the fence of playing. And then they also just might get caught napping a little bit and come out a little flat and caught looking ahead. So um, And, yeah, it's a divisional uh, opponent catching right around 10-plus, which is uh, always worth a look. Uh, so I completely agree with you. The Seahawks remain overvalued in the market um, as they are the one seed in the NFC with a plus 24 net margin on the year, which is just crazy. Nuts. The average scoring margin for an 11-win team is uh, just a hair over two. Okay, so for my third pick – so we'll go Tennessee post three. If you, I'm waiting on a three here, a flat three uh, against New Orleans. Uh, you have New Orleans of a short week. I'm selling them high here. I make this line closer to one. Um, you know, they're short week going outdoors after everyone saw how good they looked. Look, Tennessee, who's everyone's darling last week, they still played really well against Houston. And if you look at that box score, they actually outplayed the Texans. And there was a couple fluky plays on both sides. But the one in particular was – Houston, excuse me, Tennessee was going in to score. The ball bounced up. It was picked by uh, a Texans lineman who returned it like 90 yards inside the 10. Flip 14-point swing, flipped the game. So, I mean, the, the, the Titans still played fine. I still like their defense. This Saints team to me is, you know, you're not going to stop Michael Thomas and Drew Brees is going to be efficient, but Kamar is still not himself. He just does not look right. And they've had major injuries on the defensive side, you know, with Rankins and Davenport now out. I think that you can run them. I think Henry, hopefully he's healthy, can establish the run. I think Tannehill can have some success throwing the ball. And if you just look at the Saints team, this is the peak. This is the peak of the Saints, just like the Ravens in the market. They just won 34-7 on Monday night. And by the way, like I said, short week. Now they're playing outdoors. You know, but if you look back, their spreads this year, and some of them were with Bridgewater, but on the road, I mean, they are a five-point dog at Seattle. Uh, they're a two-and-a-half-point dog in London against Jacksonville. They're plus four-and-a-half at Chicago. This team's dealing with injuries, but this is the peak. I'm selling, getting a three here at home 
with the Titans who are, you know, and it doesn't always work this way. You're playing for your season. Both teams are highly motivated. The Saints need to win. Motivation isn't going to be a, a defining factor here. The Saints want a one or two seed in the NFC. The Titans want to get to the playoffs. They want to win the division, but they got to keep winning if they want to get to the playoffs. I've loved what I've seen from this team over the last month, month and a half, and that didn't change last week. There was a couple fluky plays. Um, so, you know, short week, Saints, outdoors, injuries on both sides of the ball. Um, I think the Titans get this done, so I'll gladly take the three. Yeah, and uh, if you – Guys out there listening, you know, when you sign up for Bet Labs, you also get a couple other cool tools. One of them, which is Bet Signals, which essentially is just uh, another overview of the market. You can see steam moves and, and different things like that. And, and the Titans, once that line hit plus three, the Titans did get steamed at, at quite a few books. And, and that line is, I think, moved back down to two and a half now. So for everyone out there, if you don't get the three, uh, you probably, I mean, you would say there's value at, added above. One and a half, right, Stuck? Yeah, but if you can't get – I mean, the three is such an important number that yeah. if it's sitting there at, a, at an expensive – you know, if it's a juice two and a half for the Saints, uh, buy the three. But uh, I would imagine as of right now, the, it looks like there's more money probably. I would imagine more public money on the Saints. So, you know, I would wait on it. Um, it's also a great teaser piece at two and a half up to eight and a half, which I'll get to later. But yeah, I think I would buy it up to three, but you have time. And I think that this might bounce up to three and then bounce back down with sharp money taken if it hits three. So if you don't have a three while you're listening to this, wait on it. And then if you have a chance to buy it later in the week, if it never pops, go ahead and do that. All right. So that does it for our Sunday six pack against the spread picks. Stuck has the Jags, the Jets and the Titans. I'm rolling with the Ravens, the Texans and the Arizona Cardinals. All right. Let's get into our favorite over under of the week. All right, Stuck. Uh, we both actually like totals from the Saturday games. Uh, why don't you start us off? Uh, yeah, I like the Rams 49ers under. Let me check the most recent number. It's like 45 45.5. 45.5. Yeah. Yeah, there's still a hook out there. Um, look, I mean, if you go back to the first time these teams played, and this was, and by the way, Something we've mentioned before in the past is this is a late season or a second late season, but a, more importantly, a second division meeting between two teams, which you know generally favors the under. The familiarity generally favors the defense. The first time these two teams played, San Fran won twenty to seven. What happened in this game is San Fran went completely vanilla on offense because they just said, and Kyle Shanahan said this after the game, like we just knew that. They weren't, you know, once they got a lead, that they weren't going to move the ball on us. And they were, this was the game where Sal was going nuts on the sideline with all of his players, and the Rams couldn't do anything on offense. Well, why is that? Well, San, San Fran has a really good defense. And by the way, it looks like Sherman and Kawan Williams will be back. They're two corners who were out last week, which will help. Um, a couple of other guys are questionable, but more importantly, their corners will be back. They still will get pressure with the best. And the Rams had 165 yards in this game, total offense, 3.3 yards per play. It was a home game, but really – might not have been. There was a lot more 49 – might have been more 49ers fans at this game. But they can get pressure with their defensive line naturally. It's one of the things that makes the 49ers so great. Does their secondary when healthy, which it's going to be a lot healthier this week. Their secondary is good, and they can generate pressure without blitzing. They're one of the – they blitz as little as any team in the NFL, and they have one of the highest sack rates, the highest pressure rates, and they don't blitz because they can generate pressure with their defensive front. And if you can generate pressure on Jared Goff – Good night. There goes the Rams offense. Um, and this is also a short week. 
Todd Gurley, who got a lot of touches last week, and I still think he's just not healthy. Something's off, but he got a lot of touches. Looks a little and, better. Looks yeah, a little better. better but like a that. short week now, and after all those touches, you know, it's um, who knows what you're going to get. It's just it's very hard to predict with Gurley. But regardless, they're going to be able to get pressure on on Goff, and they're going to throw off this Rams offense. You saw the the Cowboys do it, and the Cowboys don't have as good of a secondary as the 49ers. You should also get a very focused effort from the 49ers, their defense last week after, you know, Julio and that that drive from the Falcons late. Well, I don't think the Rams' offense will do much. I do think their defense is really good. Troy Hill is actually really important to that team, um, given out who his backup is. And, you know, they have a great you know, Ramsey on one side. They have a great nickel corner and Roby Coleman. And then Troy Hill's been playing a lot better. It looks like he's got – he left the game last week with an injury to his thumb or somewhere in his hand. He got it wrapped up. They think that he should be able to go. Um, but I, I do think that this Rams defense is a top six or seven unit overall. And a lot of the advanced numbers back that up. You should see, after them getting embarrassed in the first meeting, after them getting embarrassed last week against Dallas, you know, this is a prideful unit with Donald and Weddle in those corners. Um, you should see – uh, an inspired effort from this Rams defense. Um, so late division, late season division game, another matchup. Teams familiar with each other at most. Uh, this is like 2017, 23-17-ish. Maybe a little value on the Rams, but I like the under here. Yeah, and I actually just finished, uh, before we got on to record this podcast, writing up the biggest mismatch for the uh, Rams-Niners games. And for those not familiar, we preview every game on actionnetwork.com and in the app. And uh, in one of the sections, uh, you know, there, there's odds in there. Stuck's usually doing uh, something on uh, mismatches or, or I will. But uh, this week, in, that ga- in this game, what I wrote up was, you know, the Niners D-line going against that Rams O-line in, in Goff. And that's because exactly what you said, you know, to put some numbers behind it, they pressured Goff on 46% of his dropbacks in that first meeting. On those, uh, it was uh, 13 dropbacks in all that he was pressured on. He went two of nine passing for 12 yards with four sacks. The Niners' D-line is still pretty healthy. I mean, you still got Bosa, Buckner. Uh, you still got Armstead there. So those are the key guys. The Rams only have one guy starting on the O-line, Andrew Whitworth, who ranks better than 46th in pro football focuses pass blocking grades. And that includes the, the, the center who, you know, you, you should rank – if you're ranked outside of the 30, top 32, that's bad because there's only one center per team. So it, it's ugly for, uh, for the Rams. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I expect a lower scoring game because that Rams defense has also improved in – uh, that the Niners offense, I mean, Kyle Shanahan, good schemer, but I, I think this Rams defense is, is pretty talented and, and will be motivated. So I like that call for my total. And this is pretty on brand. No one likes to bet these, these ugly totals. So I'll just take them. Jets Steelers under 38. Uh, love, love, love the under in this game. I don't think people realize how good the Steelers defense is. Uh, if you look at the, the, the their schedule adjusted efficiency, uh, in football outsiders DVOA. They're the only defense. They rank number three overall behind only New England and San Francisco, but they're the only one uh, of those three and the only defense in the league that is ranked top five against both the pass and the run. They're number five in pass D. They're number three in run D. Uh, this Steelers team has been an under machine all year long, and uh, I expect it to continue. Usually you expect these trends to kind of reverse, but uh, I think – uh, you would probably agree. I mean, even if the, the, the Jets win this game, they probably aren't winning it, you know, 28 to 20 or something like that. This is a game where the Steelers are 
Um, they're going to they're gonna probably show up to play D. And if we always talk about kind of when to fade Tomlin in terms of the point spread and whatnot. But uh, another thing, aside from the Steelers' defense going under overlooked just this year, is that in his career, Mike Tomlin, coaching the Steelers, has been the number one most profitable coach to bet the under on the road. Out of 125 coaches, Mike Tomlin has made you the most money uh, going back to 2003, uh, 60 and 42 toward the under against the spread when Tomlin takes his team on the road. Now, I think earlier it was not only to do with the defense. I think there was kind of what you, you pointed out. This uh, They come out flat on the road in certain spots. But this year in particular, uh, I think it has a lot to do with the defense. The under is 11-3 and three this season in Steelers games. It's hit for six straight, uh, and that's because that defense, uh, they, they're lights out. I mean, they're, this is another one of those games that kind of profiles to me uh, as, as a similar one where you have the Steelers, you know, kind of, okay, are we going to start Duck Hodges? Are we not? They'll, they'll play close to the vest. They'll run the football. You mentioned that the Jets' run defense uh, not quite as strong as it's been. Um, so I think this, the Steelers will keep it on the ground. They're not going to be uh, just launching it downfield unless they really have to, which I don't see them needing to because, again, top five defense. So love the under 38, still taking it under 38. Um, yeah, I can't argue with you there. Um, I will say that the Jets have been a little better of a punting team. I need to get my special team shout out in there. And this game could come down – to field position and that just you know one or two drives and that's all it will take to win this game on brand as always stuck uh, so there you have it as far as our favorite totals stuck's going with rams niners under 45 and a half i'm going with steelers jets under 38 now let's get into our favorite teaser of the week oh yeah six point teasers stuck who are you going with this week uh i mentioned my one teaser piece i'm going true wong teaser which is teaser one and a half to two and a half point Dog up past the three, four, six, and seven, and or a seven and a half to eight and a half point favorite down uh, under seven, six, four, three. Uh, so I'm going Chargers under a field goal. I think they should beat the Raiders as long as they don't turn it over seven times. I mean, they're healthy now. They're significantly more talented. If they don't fumble it six times, they should win this game. And, you know, I mean, Phillip Rivers will have all day to throw. They should run the ball. His receivers should get open. But it's true Wong. I'm taking them and then the Titans up over three, six, and seven, as I said. So Titans plus eight and a half and Chargers minus one and a half. All right, so teasing Kansas City down to a pick. The line is a little bit inflated, I think. Uh, That being said, Kansas City has covered at a pretty high clip on the road uh, under Andy Reid. They are 66%, 35-18-1 per Bet Labs against the spread on the road under Andy Reid, including 4-2 this season. Uh, And that's just been generally the nature uh, of Reid as a head coach, uh, 79-52-3, 60% all-time, including his time. Uh, with the Philadelphia Eagles 2003 and later as well. And for my other teaser pick, going with the Philadelphia Eagles up to eight and a half, just kind of selling high on the Dallas Cowboys. You've talked about this stuff where, you know, a couple weeks ago, Cowboys, a road favorite against Chicago, everyone and their mom wants to back them, getting 80% of the bets, 80%, close to 80% of the money, I believe it was. Uh, And this is a, a spot where now they're coming off the, the blowout against the Rams, which I think, as you pointed out, was the time to to back them. And 
again, they are on the road favorites by two and a half and getting 77% of the bets, 86% of the money. Uh, so don't know exactly if the Eagles can, can pull this one off. think they, they might actually have a, a decent chance to get the win here, but uh, think it can be, uh, will be a one possession game. So I like teasing it up to eight and a half through those key numbers of three, six, and seven. The regret bowl for Chicago. <laughs> oh, man. So that, uh, that wraps it up for our teaser segment. Stuck has Tennessee teasing them up to plus nine and the Chargers down to a half point. I'm taking Philly up to eight, five and the Chiefs down to a pick. Now let's get into our underdog money line parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. So this week, as you mentioned, it's a time when underdogs tend to cover the spread uh, at a pretty good rate in spots. But uh, let's see if we can hit on some that actually win the game. Uh, I'll start us off going with the New York Giants here. And when I look up and down the slate, I do think that a fair amount of underdogs will end up covering this week. Mentioned uh, Carolina might be an option uh, as well. Uh, you talked about the Jags, who I think have a chance to win that game. Uh, potentially even the Raiders, the Lions. A lot of teams out there I think could cover uh, as dogs that, that people are probably counting out, or at least the, the casual better, the market uh, is probably counting out. But uh, like the Giants here, just because it's a, it's a short spread, it's a game between two bad teams where I don't think the Redskins have a market edge on the Giants in any particular category. Now, you always worry about, you know, Daniel Jones. It looks like he's going to get the nod, turning the ball over. But at the same time, you worry about Dwayne Haskins, who uh, has the highest sack rate in the league. I, I just think it's one of those coin flip games where uh, if, if the Redskins were underdogs, I'd probably be back in the Redskins here. So uh, going with the Giants plus 120. The Cowboys-Eagles game, if you look at it, it's you're buying the Cowboys at a peak, like you said. But at the end of the day, they have the more talented weapons on the outside, which might be the difference as long as the Cowboys do the little things. But mm-hmm. just to bring this up, this would this is this is just a theory of mine. The NFC East has been so bad all year. This is what's going to happen. Uh, the Eagles are going to beat the Cowboys. The Eagles are going to beat the Cowboys at home this week. This is just the NFC's chaos theory. Eagles beat the Cowboys at home this week, and then they lose at the Giants next week, and the Cowboys beat the Redskins, and the Cowboys win the division at 8-8. Eight and eight. That is the perfect ending to the NFC East. The Eagles beat the Cowboys this week, then lose at the Giants, and uh, Eli Manning will somehow find a way to be 500. Yeah, and then throw for like 500 yards, as he always yes. does in meaningless games against the Eagles late yes. in the season. But let's keep it New York, man. I'm going to be up in New York tomorrow for our Christmas party, and uh, hopefully I can party a little bit. I'll be recording multiple podcasts for our bowls, which, by the way, five-part series. First one will be out. Uh, Friday, second one, Monday, we're covering all the bowls chronologically. We'll do like eight to ten each episode. But uh, let's keep it all New York. I already mentioned the Jets. I think they beat the Steelers this weekend. So Jets, Giants, underdog, Moneyline Parlay. Uh, what bar are we going to to sing Billy Joel with random people at 3 a.m. Oh, this time? <laughs> so that does it for our, our underdog Moneyline Parlay, which pay out at a, just over four to one. You would... If you bet $100 on it, you would win 439 for a total payout of 539 All right, let's get into the best of the rest, which are the games that didn't make it into any other segment. 
All right, so we'll start right off with this Saturday, the last Saturday game. Uh, we have the New England Patriots, six and a half points favorites at home against the Buffalo Bills. This game actually has a lot of implications as far as uh, the division, because if the Bills can win this one and then uh, the Patriots, who do they have in week? What, what do you mean? Sorry, they got the Dolphins at home. Oh, no, week. never mind. So Sorry, Bills fans. <laughs> okay. So even if the Bills win this week, uh, and if the Patriots win and the Bills win next week too, the Patriots win the tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay. So never mind. It actually doesn't have as many implications as the networks will probably sell it as, though it, the Bills could pull even if uh, they win this game. They are 10 and 4. The Pats are 11 and 3. Six and a half point favorites again, getting uh, just 37% of the bets, but uh, 44% of the money. So bigger bets coming in on New England here. The total has dropped open at 38 and a half. Uh, I actually took it at that mark. Uh, love the Patriots uh, unders in, in these type of games. They played a low-scoring game the first time. Uh, we, we are seeing 66% of the bets, 77% of the money uh, on the total, which has dropped uh, – on the under, which has dropped to 37 and a half. And just – I have a pretty interesting stat here. Uh, Josh Allen, these Bills games are another one, like the Steelers, that I've been – uh, hammering the under most of the season. You know that if you follow me in the action app, but this one is particularly uh, outrageous to the point where I almost think it's probably going to just regress and uh, I'll be out of luck. But Josh Allen on the road in his career, the under is a perfect 10 and 0. 10 and 0. You don't usually see that. Uh, you know, in any type of against the spread over under any type of market line, just being able to extend uh, to a sample size of 10 with no losses, uh, except I guess Dan Quinn versus the AFC. So just thought I'd point that out, but the under is 18 and six overall uh, with Sean McDermott uh, as the head coach of the bills. And we also probably will see temperatures below 30 uh, under is 27 and 18, 60%. Uh, in those spots. And for his career, the under is hitting at a 72% clip uh, for Josh Allen. If I can get in a low scoring game, the divisional game late season, which really isn't for the division people, it probably means a lot more to the bills than it does the Patriots. I'm taking the seven. If it doesn't get the seven, I, I'm probably going to stay off with the seven being a key number. If the Patriots creep up to a seven, that's really valuable with a total of 37 and a half and two teams that are familiar with each other with this outstanding Bills defense and uh, this Patriots offense that continues to be broken. Uh, two teams that are probably a little overvalued in the market in general, but not when they're facing each other. Obviously, the Bills can finish with 11 wins and have no wins over a winning team, by the way. Uh, but I agree with you. It's probably under nothing if you're betting the total. We have the 5-9 and nine Panthers at the 6-8 and eight Colts. Colts favored by 7, 66%. Of the bet, 68% of the money on the Panthers, total at 46. 64% of the tickets on the over, but uh, 54% of the money is on the under. So that, that looks like one where the, uh, there might be some, some, some sharps on the under in that one. I, I was thinking of taking the Panthers plus seven, but I, I am a fan of Will Greer. Liked what I saw from him and, and liked the kind of unknown factor uh, w- with him coming in for his first start with a pretty talented group of skill players, but a lot of uncertainty at the same time. Colts are, I think, a little bit better at this point overall. So probably just going to stay away at the key number of seven. I don't see much value either way. What about you? 
Yeah, it's probably stay away here. I mean, where where the Colts' heads at after that Monday night game? It is a short week, but they were eliminated from playoff contention. Uh, but you have a rookie quarterback making his first start on the road. Um, meanwhile, the Colts should be able to run the ball against this horrible yeah, Panthers run that's, defense. That's another thing that which is what they want to do. So um, line's probably about right. All right. Next one we have is three ten and one Detroit at five and nine Denver. And the line for this one, Denver by seven, getting 73% of the bets, but only 56% of the money. So pretty big discrepancy there. 38.5 is the total. That's been bet up about a point. We've seen 65% of the tickets hit the over, but 54% of the money on the under. So uh, that's another one to look out for. I don't think the Lions will have much success uh, with uh, David Blau against this Denver D, but... Uh, Denver could actually have some success with Drew Locke against this Lions D. So uh, probably one where I'd still lean under. Any thoughts on this one, Seth? Yeah, I mean, the line's probably a tad high, but the Broncos are playing pretty well. They beat the Chargers. You know, they won at Houston before that game at Kansas City, but a lot of that was just snow, and Kansas City was just so much better in the snow um, and ready for it, and everything just went wrong for Denver that game. So, uh, yeah, I can't see Detroit winning this game, but the – you know, Drew Locke at home, it's probably a tad inflated. But do I want any part of Detroit here? No. Uh, might be a pass. If Denver kind of covers that spread and does what they expect, uh, you expect it to be because Detroit just doesn't score much at all. So yeah. I think you, you expect like a Denver 31-7 romp or something like that. It, it, so I, I kind of still like the under there because I think, on the other hand, Denver could also just uh, run the ball, play defense, and, and kind of win the game that way. Detroit – defense is exploitable pretty much any way you want at this point. So that's how I've leaned, but uh, not sure if I'll actually go through with, with that one yet. One in 12 Cincinnati, what we thought would be the tank bowl, which kind of isn't because uh, two wins separate the Dolphins and Bengals. Bengals on the road in Miami, one point underdogs, although I've seen this line kind of jump up and down to where it's a pick. I've seen uh, Bengals favorite at a couple books. So uh, this is one you could probably get value either way. Uh, 58% of the bets, 55% of the money on the Dolphins. The total shot up, it opened at 45 and a half, it's up to 47, 68% of the bets, 73% of the money on the over. What do you think about this one, Stuck? Oh, I mean, I've been fading Miami into oblivion the past month and a half. Uh, I make this since he minus one. Uh, Three points better. So they're four points better? Four? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't give, I only give Miami's home field a couple points. This is a complete toss up in a game I don't want to get involved in. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, Dalton is now in his career when he goes against a sub 500 team. I think the market usually kind of, they're just like, it's Andy Dalton, uh, but he is 28 and 20 for his career with three pushes against the spread versus sub 500 teams, but only one in four this season because yes, yeah, so it is really nothing there. Okay, so that wraps it up for best of the rest. One note I wanted to point out on that Saturday Buffalo-New England matchup is that as we've done the past few weeks, we're running a new Fade Ravel promotion with our friends at PointsBet Sportsbook. This week, our colleague Darren Ravel is taking the Buffalo Bills as six-and-a-half-point underdogs in Foxborough. PointsBet is boosting New England minus six-and-a-half to plus 105, and personally, I would probably wean the Bills here, but again, it's always fun to, to fade our guy Darren Ravel. So if you're interested in fading Ravel, just follow the link in the episode description for more details.
All right, let's, we're going to preview the Monday night game. Uh, before we do that, let's quickly just go Survivor here. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. Managed to uh, survive all season here, uh, but we don't have many teams left in, in our little game. Uh, use Seattle, Houston, Dallas, Chargers, Eagles, Pats, Bills, Vikes, Niners, Ravens, Raiders, Browns, Chiefs. Packers and Saints last week so now it's really ugly if you're still alive in your survivor pool I mean you probably already won but give me the Broncos off brand but like the Broncos with enough defense to uh to beat the Lions so that's what I'm going with let's see if we can make it 16 straight and now let's preview the Monday night game all right so we have the Green Bay Packers going to Minnesota divisional matchup Vikings favored by five and a half Packers Getting the bet, 66%, but Vikings getting the money, uh, they're getting 61% of the money. So uh, clear disagreement here, it seems like, between the, uh, the more casual bettors and, and the bigger bettors. That line has moved from an open of 4.5 to its current spot at 5.5 as we record this. Total 46, 62% of the bet, 74% of the money on the overstuck. Uh, which side of this uh, spread are you on? You hear so much that the, the Packers are – it's so we, we want to fade the Packers that it's becoming so it's almost becoming so quote unquote sharp that it's square. We want to fade the Packers, but they have their flaws. And I think they're like plus 12 or 13 in turnover margin in their wins this year. Their run defense isn't very good. Their pass defense hasn't been good in a lot of games this year. Um, you know, their offense gets up early and then kind of goes into a shell from the yards per play perspective. They're off their, you know, total picture is pretty ugly. But all they do is win games. They have Aaron Rodgers, and they find ways to cover. Um, you know, you saw everyone want to fade them against Chicago last week. That didn't work out well. You know, the week, a couple weeks before them with the Giants, that didn't work out well. This is a similar spot with the Panthers. They were minus five. They covered. You know, these numbers, these short numbers, the Packers have, have found a way to cover. Now they're a dog here. Um, and I think the line, you know, around four and a half or five was about right. The Vikings, when they played the Packers the first time around, it was another one of those games. That's why a lot of people that are that are deep into the advanced numbers don't like the Packers. They've had a number of fortunate wins, and this was one of them. I mean, Kirk Cousins threw a horrible, horrible pick at the end of this game to cost them the game. Bailey missed a field goal. They ended up losing 21-16, but they outgained the Packers 421 to 335. Seven yards per play for the Vikings and under five for the Pack. So I think the line's about right now. Everyone wants to fade the Packers, but that's now priced into the market. Packers, huge game for them because if they win out, they get a buy. You know, from a total perspective, so I don't think I'll be on a side here, but from the total perspective, I like the over. I think it's starting to tick up, but at 45, um, I think the Packers can have some success on the outside. Um, I hope Xavier Rhodes is healthy enough to go. I know people are worried about him going. I hope he does go for the Packers' sake. And then I think the uh, Vikings can move the ball on the ground, and they'll commit to it, and, you know, they'll also have some success on the outside with the receivers, with Thielen back now. You know, he didn't get a lot of snaps last week, but I think that was on purpose and the score got out of hand and they obviously wanted him for this game. Extra day of rest also. So you should have the full complement of receivers for Cousins at home. So I, I think you see more points. I know it's a late season divisional game. It's really important for the division, but um, I would lean over 45 here. 
the, the line and the total are kind of stuck in those dead zones where, you know, it's between the, the three and the six, and then the total is between the, the 45 and the 47. So I think, you know, at 46, I'd go over, but if it hit, you know, 47, 47 and a half, it's probably, probably under is the play. I mean, Dalvin Cook, Adam Schefter says Dalvin Cook probably going to miss the next two weeks. So that's something to, to, to monitor as well. But uh, one, in, a couple of interesting notes on uh, Monday night football, and then, and then these road dogs. So I mentioned it, week 15, 16 road dogs by three to eight. They're covering at a 61% clip going back to 2003. Uh, but on the other hand, you have the money, which is going you know, heavily to Minnesota right now. The money has been right more often than not uh, on Monday night football. So when a team is getting 51% or more of the money uh, on Monday night football, they are 38, 22, and three against the spread, 63%, uh, 10 and four this season. Uh, which is 71%. So probably. But I will say Rodgers, though, is like 50 and 32 or something silly against the spread when the line moves against him. And then within the division, I think Mm. he's like 38 and 24. I mean, he's silly against the spread against these teams that he's familiar with. So just something to keep in mind. I don't know a lot if a lot of the numbers with Rodgers apply at this point, just because he had such a, he was like in a weak quarterback with elite weapons in like a whole nother coaching staff at that. Like, but I do think that, yeah, you're still betting against Aaron Rodgers in a game that they could win, uh, much less. Uh, or getting easily get in a back yeah. door. You know, Rodgers right. if they're down 10 late. Probably lean, just take the points if, if, if I had to choose, but I, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's about right. So that wraps it up for another episode of the Action Network podcast. You can follow Stucky on Twitter at Stucky2 and me at Chris Raybon. You can follow us on the Action app at those same handles. And be sure to download the Action app for live odds, in-game win probabilities, and the capability to track every bet that you make. I know you and Colin Wilson have a lot planned as far as the college football bowl season goes. So why don't you tell people uh, what to expect over the next week? Yeah, we got, we're going to have a five-part bowl preview series. The first one will be out on Friday morning. We'll be covering all the bowls for Friday, Saturday, and Monday. I think there's eight to ten. And then we'll have another podcast that comes out on Monday morning covering all the bowls from Tuesday Friday, um, et cetera, et cetera. That same schedule that you're used to, Friday morning, Monday morning release, and we'll cover, you know, eight to ten bowls for the three or four days coming up after the release date. So uh, we'll go into all every single bowl in depth, big mismatches, uh, just things to look for uh, to help you out as you are uh, venturing out on your bowl betting bonanza over the next month. If you're interested in Action Network and what we do here, a lot of great stuff, uh, obviously beyond just stuck in myself, a lot of sharp uh, data analysis uh, and all that good stuff, tools. So uh, if, if, you, if you're interested in checking it out, you can get Action Network Edge for the next six months for only 20 bucks. That's only 3.33 per month for bowl games, NFL playoffs, March Madness, all that good stuff. So uh, be sure to check that out. Uh, just wanted to point that out and good luck this weekend. We'll be back for week 17 to, to, to break down the, the NFL. Should be a good week. I love Let's get week 17 betting. Go Pack Go. We're finished talking. <laughs>